0: distinct privilege this morning of inviting my friend Danny Lukey to the stage to open God's word for us. Uh, Danny is a uh, on staff with crew. He's one of the missionaries we support, and he's a good friend. Uh, you should know that January, Danny and I started talking about this, and I asked him, I said, Danny, if you're going to preach, I want to be here because uh, I want to appreciate it, be here with us, and so I am very delighted to have you in the pulpit and excited to hear God's word. Well, thank you. appreciate that, Ben. Uh, and thank Thank you for just allowing me to preach this morning. It's an honor. Um, Man, just singing that song. Our our job is worthy. There's like filled with awestruck wonder at the mention of his name. Like, I know where I want to be. I know how I want to live my life. So, uh, today we'll, uh, I'll pray, and then then we'll jump in. So, uh, Heavenly Father, this morning... We, I, I am in desperate need of you. We are in desperate need of you. You are amazing, just beyond our understanding, and completely worthy of our praise and our glory and our our adoration. Father, Holy Spirit, may you move this morning in spirit and in truth. um, Let your words uh, be remembered and not my own. We praise you. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So, who has ever heard their parents say, uh, do what I say, but not what I do? (laughs) Anyone? And we all know that actions speak much louder than words. It's interesting to know that across all religions, um, all people groups, all ages, nobody likes a hypocrite. No, No one. Say one thing and do another. And today's passage, what we're going to be looking at is, might, might be one of the easiest passages to hear and be like, yep, I agree with that, that's good, and then do nothing. And so it's, we look at the greatest commandment, love God and love others. I'm going to challenge you from the beginning, not just to hear and say, yep, I agree, but to take action. And so we're going to jump into Matthew 25, Matthew 25, verses 31 through 46. And so a little context is needed. Uh, Jesus is talking privately with his disciples on the Mount of Olives uh, a few days before the crucifixion. And he's talking about the end times. Actually, Jesus' disciples ask him a question. And he shares this parable with them. So Matthew 25, verses 31 through 46. When the Son of Man comes in His glory, and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne. Before Him will be gathered all nations, and He will separate people one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats, and He will place the sheep on His right, but the goats on His left. And so we see that this is a parable at the end times. It's, It's the Son of Man coming to judge the world, and it's all nations are before Him, and God will separate people. Sheep and goats. It's a very common Old Testament kind of splitting of of God's people, sheep and goats. We continue reading in verse 34. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. And so the king here is Jesus. And he says, blessed are you by my father. Come inherit the kingdom. Look at all these things you have done for me, the king. It's an action. All these actions were done for the king. We keep reading. Verse 37. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And did we, when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these my brothers, you did it to me. So the, the righteous didn't understand. They, they thought they were just serving people, not the king. And the king makes it very clear to them. He says, what you did for hurting people, you did to me. And so, what you did for hurting people, you did for me. So who are these hurting people, and, and what did the righteous do? Well, there was the hungry and thirsty, and gave them food and drink. Naked, they gave clothing. Sick. The friend, friends you have hurting, visiting them in the hospital. It's responding to a need. What about the prisoners? These are guilty people. Maybe they were wrongly accused, but they're, they're guilty, and they visited them. A stranger welcoming, welcoming them in. Maybe it's a, a Christian brother or sister that goes to a different church. You welcome them in. Maybe it's new people to your church, your community group, or your social circle at work or at school. You, you welcome them in. Maybe it's uh, someone of a different uh, ethnic group or, or people of different race than yourself. You, you welcome them in. A- actions of caring for hurting people. It, it's responding to a need. Right? All these needs, they're, they're, it's, they're marginalized and neglected people. Those kind of pushed to the side or, or overlooked. Those who are just people who are often overlooked. And it's responding to a need. So if we want to take faith if we want to take action in our faith if we want to talk about love then we also need to walk love if we want to love God if we want to love the king it's characterized by loving hurting people. And in this parable these people didn't know they were loving the king but they were. And and, and these words get very serious as the parable continues Uh, In verse 41, then he will say to those on the left, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick, and in prison, and you did not visit me. These are serious words. cursed into the fire prepared by the devil, rejecting the king. The The parable continues in Matthew, verse 44. Then they will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them, saying, Truly I say to you, as you did not do to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment Internal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. And so similarly, they didn't understand. They didn't understand. They, they thought they just weren't serving people. But, and they thought it didn't relate to the king. But the king clarifies what you did not do for hurting people, you did not do to me. Rejecting hurting people is rejecting Jesus. Ignoring hurting people is ignoring Jesus. And and I think that that difference really gets me. It's not just this blatant oppression of hurting. It's it's ignoring them. Not making the opportunity to serve the marginalized, neglected, or overlooked. And so our response to Jesus, the king himself, is characterized by our response to neglected and hurting people. To love Jesus, we must love hurting people. And so th- this is a, a serious passage with, with deep implications. And so I want to make sure that, that I, I'm, I'm preaching it to you right. When, when Pastor Ben helped me prepare for this, he says, preach the Bible, not Danny's opinions. And so, and so there's an analogy that he, he gave me. It's, the, the what strikes me most interpretation. You, you read the Bible and it's like, oh, well, th- this time is what hits me. And all sorts of problems come from this interpretation of the Bible. There's all sorts of issues. And I'm not saying that when you're reading Scripture, uh, that the Holy Spirit doesn't highlight things to you or bring certain words or phrases to you in that moment. I'm not saying that he doesn't do that. But when you want to look at a, a greater picture, when you want to study, when studying and preaching the Word of God... We need context. It's, it's bigger than just, oh, this really strikes me at the moment. And so we want to look at that context. No pastor stands alone. So we are in Matthew 25. We're going to start in Matthew 23. Jesus had his last, con- uh, last controversy with Jewish leaders. The, the Jewish leaders thought they had all the right answers. They thought they, thought they knew what they were doing. And Jesus was struggling with the fact that he was going to be rejected very soon. He was going to be rejected by the people who claimed to know God. In Matthew 24, Jesus is teaching his disciples. He's teaching them privately. They're asking questions about the end times. And Jesus teaches them in Matthew 24 and then goes into three building parables. The parables build on one another and they begin with the parable of the ten virgins. And the question in the parable of the ten virgins is, are you prepared? The story, there's five virgins who were prepared and five who are not for the king's return. And the question it puts before you is, are you prepared? And so in that time, in that moment, it was the coming Messiah. He was here. And Israel was not prepared. And the same question for us is, is Christ is coming again. Are we prepared for Jesus' return? Our preparation is in grace by faith through repentance. Are we prepared for the king's return? Then the parable builds, goes to the second parable. And it's about talents. Maybe you've heard of it before, but it's what do you do with what is given to you? They're servants. One servant's given five talents, another two, another one, and they're asked to steward these talents. A talent is a a large sum of money. You can think of like a life's earnings or life's savings. We see, what what did Israel do with what was given to them? They they, they weren't ready. They weren't prepared. They did nothing. They had the law. They had scripture. Um, The prophets, God's promise to them as chosen people, and they weren't. They did nothing with it. They should have eagerly accepted Jesus as the Messiah. So similarly, what are we doing with what God has given us? We have Christ's crucifixion, the Holy Spirit, individual steals and gifts. I, I, someone posed this question to me recently: Is are we letting any crumb of the cross go unadored? Are we letting any crumb of the cross? Un, not affect every aspect of our life. I, are, are we awake to the reality that God lives in us? That the Holy Spirit himself, like God, is in us somewhere. I don't know exactly how it works, but like, he's in us. And are, are we aware of that? Because I... I think my life would look extremely different. My life would look very different if I was fully awakened to this reality that God, the King of the universe, is in me by Christ through the Holy Spirit. And so, these questions of, of not being prepared, given much and wasted it. So, how are these parables building? What's next? And we see Matthew 25. The passage we read, rejecting Jesus. The parables on the least of these—it brings us: to, Are we loving, or are we rejecting Jesus? And it's characterized primarily by our action in loving or rejecting marginalized, neglected, overlooked, and hurting people. We're rejecting Jesus if we're rejecting these people, and if we're serving. Hurting people, were serving Jesus. And so we see that it must be action. In James two fourteen through 17, it says, What good is it, my brothers, if someone has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warm and well, well fed and, and filled, without giving them the things they need for the body, what good is that? So also, faith by itself, it does not have works, is dead. Faith is an action word. To serve Jesus, you must serve people. I, verse 16 is especially pointed because in verse 16 it, it shows a hiding behind spirituality, a hiding behind religion. I, I'll, I'll, I'll pray for you. you know, go, go be warm and well fed. Go in peace but then actually take no response to the need. I'll I'll talk about love, but when it actually comes to loving people, I'll, I'll step aside. Previously in James 2, verses 1 through 4, it says, My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. In the Bible, directly oppose favoritism to the rich and privileged. In ten different books of the Bible, it directly says that. In verse 3, it says, pay attention to. Who do we find ourselves paying more attention to? For me, it's those who are like me as those who I I often most easily see around me. Probably middle class, similar ethnicity. It's probably not the hungry or the hurting, uh, the overlooked, the immigrant or the the refugee. So my question is, do we have a growing awareness of people's needs and our ability to respond to them? The, The next verse is... It's, it's one that actually scares me a little, um, and, and I wasn't sure if it was worth sharing, but it, it continues to be like something that's just impressed upon me. Um, it's Ezekiel 16, um, verses 49. It says, Behold, this was the guilt of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters had pride, excess of food, and prosperous ease, but did not aid the poor and needy. And so it, it's, uh, this verse is talking about Israel, God's people, they're being, they're being punished. And they're likened to Sodom, as in Sodom and Gomorrah, for pride, arrogance, abundance of food, and ease of life. They did not help the poor and needy. And so I want, I want to pull lots of thoughts together in, in this, the next verse that we're going to look at is in 1 John 3, verses 16 through 18. 1 John 3, verses 16 through 18. This pulls a lot of thoughts together. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother and sister in need and has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. This is how we know what love is. Jesus is our example. He's our model. He demonstrated it to us. And he says, Dear children, It's not thinking we're superior. We have it all together. It's like, Dear little kids, Followers of the Father in Heaven. Dear saved ones, Following the Savior. Dear children, Jesus is our example. How we love people is ultimately how we are loving the king. So pay attention to this part. I do not want you at all to walk away from today thinking I need to try harder, I need to be better, and I need to do more. If, if you taking that away, I have miserably failed you. I've had plenty of coaches tell me, Danny, just be better. I don't know if you guys know, that doesn't work. (laughs) Like That that doesn't work. Just, Just be better at something. Try harder. Do more. That I have failed you miserably if that's what you're taking away. And so the principle is true. How we love people is ultimately how we are loving Jesus. But Jesus must be our ultimate example. So we see in Mark 10, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. How did Jesus respond to us? When we were the broken, the hurting, the needy, he cared for our eternal needs, he cared for our physical needs. Jesus can also be our, our only motivation. 1 John four nineteen says, we love because he first loved us. He is the only reason. We are able and inspired to live this way. It's an easy trap. Easy trap. To, to hear something like this, like, oh, I'm going to do these good things, I'm going to help these poor people, and then I've somehow earned something more before God. It's an easy trap to I think you're, you're earning better standing with Jesus. I'm going to make... I've thought this a hundred times. I'm going to make Jesus love me a little bit more uh, if I just try harder to love people. <laughs> like, repent. <laughs> that, that should be the next thought. I need to repent. It's, it's not us. Jesus is not only our example our motivation. He is also our only ability and our only strength. We can't do it. tried to forcing yourself to love someone that you probably just don't really like. Yep, I've, I've been there too. You're just like, I don't really like that person. I don't know if I really want to love that person because I don't really like them. <laughs> right, I, I've been there in trying, like, oh, I'm just going to do better. I'm just going to do better at loving. It, it's just It's going to fail. Trying harder doesn't work. It must be Christ living in you. It must be the Holy Spirit. And we see this in the verse that was uh, read for our call to worship. Galatians 2.20 I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. This verse is beautiful. Who, who better to love people than Christ himself, right, living in us, living through me? Who better to have compassion and serve the hurting and neglected than Christ in me? I can't do it. You can't do it. It must be Jesus. And, and he gives us the way. It's, it's a, a dying to yourself he gives us the way. We, we see this in, in Philippians 2. He's our example. He's our motivation. He's our only ability. Philippians 2, have a, a, just kind of a composite of verses in 5 through 8. In our relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, rather he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death. God became a servant, humbled himself in obedience to death of himself. And he says, and the way you interact with people should be the exact same way. Should be the exact same way. And this allows us to respond your motivation can be found in nowhere else other than from Christ Jesus living inside you. And, and don't, I don't want you to like, sometimes it just like over-romanticized. Like this is not an easy thing. Jesus gave up his life. It was expensive to himself. It was painful and required death. We see again, I'll read again First John 3. It, it, it just pulls it together so well. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid his life down for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother and sister in need and has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us, love, let us not love with words or speech, with actions and in truth. And so this isn't for like the special Christian. This isn't for the super strong. It's for everyone. Every every Christian. None of us have it together. It's for those who are willing to be children. Those of us who are willing to die to ourselves. Everyone is able to die to themselves. It's not about your ability, but your availability to God. A willingness to follow Christ's steps into death to love and serve others. And he's calling every one of us to that right now. To the greater Christian life. Following Christ's steps into death to love and serve others. how we treat hurting people is ultimately how we're treating Jesus. And so I I, I want to make this exceedingly practical. I I want to make, like, how do we respond to hurting people? And and the the question you can ask is, is, what's around you? What's around you? So, your family. A mom with two kids going to Target. The opportunity to die to herself, to love others. What about your extended family? Are there there any hurts and needs in your extended family? Do you have a growing awareness of them? What about a a phone call, or a letter, or a visit? To to, to, to love someone who is hurting. And and be careful not to to zone in on, on just your own family. Uh, maybe church family. Look at the prayer list. Like how could I respond to one of these in love? The fact is, in a group of this, there, there's loneliness, there's depression, there's probably deep childhood pain, sexual abuse. It, there's hurting people in this building right now. And we have opportunity. To love them and serve them. Maybe you're the hurting one. Maybe you're the one with, with deep pain. Let, let people love you. Open up. Be vulnerable so that someone can love you. Maybe it's uh, in your neighborhood, the people on your street, or the people you work with every day. The people you work with every day. Do you have a growing awareness of their needs? and an ability to respond to them. So you can pray, God, ask God to open your eyes to the hurting people around you. Ask God that you would take the opportunity to love people. (laughs) You'll probably need a a few extra time, extra minutes in your day. Do you have that space to stop and just see someone who's hurting and help them? was an example of this at, uh, at the airport that, that Ben shared with me. And it was, it was, a, it was a, another pastor uh, was on vacation. And they see a girl in the airport just break down and start crying. And they have no idea why. And, and this other pastor's wife uh, sees this girl crying and, and goes up to her. And just the fact, like, she saw someone in need. was Like, well, I I don't, I don't, maybe don't have all the right answers to immediately fix this problem. But I I see someone hurting. And and I know how easy it would be for me just to be like, oh, there's someone hurting. I'll just kind of look the other way. I'll just kind of not, I'll just try to not pay attention to that. So what is around us? A, a growing awareness of people's needs and our ability to respond to them. In a, in a Fargo-Moorhead community, there are thousands of, of refugees in, in who are hurting in our community. The opportunity to serve them at, at the New American Consortium, they are always looking for native English speakers. Always looking for native English speakers to help assist people with English. Interestingly enough, Jesus actually was a refugee, which ties in really well. What we do for hurting people is what you do for Jesus. Jesus actually was a refugee as a child in Egypt. There are hundreds of homeless people in Fardo. Maybe you buy a woman on the corner a hamburger, give them a gift card to Perkins. Maybe you sit with them and talk with them for a little bit, invite them into your home for supper. Maybe you serve at the the New Life Center, the the, the Christian Homeless Center, the jail chaplains ministry. A friend is sick and you you visit them. There's there's always opportunities in our in our city to to mentor at risk elementary and middle school kids uh, through the police department and big brother, big sister. I actually just started this in November and it's I love it. I love it. It there are so many opportunities within our community. One specific opportunity I want, I want to bring to us as a church is we're actually going to be starting a soccer ministry uh, at Calvary. And it's going to help us have the opportunity to build relationships and interact with people not of our church, of, of the international community. Maybe there's hurting in order to have a soccer ministry and free food to hopefully love people and serve people, pay attention to people that are outside our immediate circle. We need a growing awareness of people's needs and our ability to respond to them. One that continues to, to be put on my heart is, is, is in our country, when we go from, we keep getting bigger, when we go to our country, and just the racial disparities in our country. And one thing I challenge all of you is to be educated. Being educated on history can be very helpful in understanding marginalization today. I'll say it again. Being educated on history of oppression can be very helpful in understanding marginalization today. Just a few months ago, I was I was hurt as, as my mind was opened to more and more of the oppression of Native Americans in our country. And for so long, I, I never paid attention, and I was just ignored it. And so to help with this education, I've, there's, I've provided a calendar uh, with just different things that have happened without our history, to educate ourselves on our American history um, in, in the back. And I'd I ask you and challenge you to take one of those and look at it. There's all sorts of disparities. There's housing disparities, education disparities, economic, mass incarceration, Maybe asking someone of a of a minority ethnic group, "Hey, have have you experienced marginalization or prejudice in any way?" What what do we do? The first step can always be prayer. Lord, how do you want me to respond to these needs? Lord, give me a growing awareness of the hurting people. Lord, give me an opportunity to love Jesus, to love the King by loving people. It's an easy trap to think, oh, I volunteered this month. I volunteered this month at the homeless shelter, so, so I'm good now. I've, I've fulfilled my checkbox, and, and I've moved on but we see all these hurting people in our church, in our community, in our country, in our families, at our jobs. Our response to marginalized and overlooked people is the direct evidence of our response to Jesus the King. And I will remind you one more in closing that this doesn't earn us anything before God. What an easy trap that we fall into. This doesn't earn us anything before Jesus. I want to finish with with, uh, Ephesians 2, verses 8 through 10. Ephesians 2, verses 8 through 10. It says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and it's not your own doing, it is a gift of God, not a result of of works, so that no one may boast. For we we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. This is is a really potent verse of, of the order of grace, faith, and then works. The good works which God prepared for us to do, it confirms our faith, our walking out of them. For faith is an action word. Grace, then faith, and walking it out. And so in conclusion, we said that Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. Jesus gave up his life. He took the cost of death to himself. He humbled himself. And this is what he's calling every one of us to do. Our main passage today in Matthew 25, how we respond to hurting people is how we are ultimately responding to Jesus Christ, the King himself. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we see that this is your heart, that you did this for us. You came, you died for me. Hurting and lost. And in desperate need. And you came for us. Father, may, we, may you live in us. We, we give ourselves to you. Let me say less of us and more of you. We die to ourselves daily. And let Christ the Holy Spirit live in us to walk this out. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.